It's Your Life is sponsored by James J.C. Cooley. Life is a series of circles and cycles, phrases and stages. These are your experiences that teach you the lessons of life. You can either ignore them or embrace them. Welcome to the James Cooley Show. It's Your Life. James is a motivational speaker, author, military veteran, and founder of the J.C. Cooley Foundation. James is here to equip you to strive for greatness and overcome adversity. It's time to get equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. Now, here's the host of It's Your Life, James Cooley. Hello, welcome to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley. And, you know, wow, you know, I I, I feel refreshed, Noah. I don't know about you. Do you feel refreshed? Uh, James, I work in radio where I, uh, you know, I have about 12 hours of work and about an eight hour day. Uh, refreshed is not in my vocabulary. But you know what the day is? Today is hump day! Woo-hoo! Hump day! <laughs> So, yeah, no. you look forward to that. The, 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 the seven days a week, my friend. Well, you know, last week we didn't do it, nor you know. And uh, I, I, when I, I listened to the podcast, I kind of felt bad. I said, oh, Lord. <laughs> "So we got it in now. <laughs> we got it in." My I like friend, it better when you do it personally. <laughs> Man, we got a a, a great show uh, coming your way. And uh, what what Michelle? You want to do it? Go ahead and do it, Michelle. Hump day. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't. Uh, I tried. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. Oh, okay. Oh, no. We'll give an E for effort, Noah. Uh, but, man, we got a, a, a very serious show coming our way today. We're talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, a different perspective. We, and I've got a great guest, Noah, uh, that's coming all the way from Canada, uh, educated in the United States, and uh, just an extremely interesting young lady and uh, expert in this area and so uh we we're going to talk about that and we also going to try talk about uh whether they have the same similar problems in canada as we have in the united states and so uh we're going to get an uh, opportunity to discuss all of these great things and one of the things that i i, I people uh listen audience or wherever you're at a lot of people a lot of people think that the work Diversity, equity, inclusion is all about race. It's not about race. It includes everything. And it's include, of course, race is part of it. Uh, gender is part of it. Uh, gender, uh, sexuality is part of it. Religion is part of it. It includes every different thing. Um, you know, so uh, we, we're going to talk about that today and try to dig deeper into a better understanding of DEI. Yes, you know, um, I've become a little bit more educated in DEI. I mean, my husband was talking about it earlier today, and it's definitely a, I wouldn't say a hot topic, but it's definitely something that a lot of organizations are being um, trained on understanding the concept of DEI. So this is going to be a very interesting show today, um, brought on by Dr. Melissa Horn. Dr. Melissa Horn is, like I said, she's a fantastic man, and uh, we're going to get a chance to know her. Uh, a little bit more in a couple of minutes. So, how you been doing, my friend? Noah. Okay, Noah. I don't think he can hear us. I'm multi- <laughs> multitasking. I can hear you, James. What was your question? <laughs> I said, "How you doing, my friend?" I'm doing good. Doing well. Doing well. It's uh, you know halfway through the week, and it was actually a short week for me because I was on vacation. So I'm uh, not doing too bad. Wow, man. So, you know, you had to catch up in one day, my friend. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I got like nine arms. It's uh, it's well within reach. <laughs> well, man, I am ready to start this show. But uh, listen, audience, just like I mentioned, if you want to be part of the conversation, that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Again, that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. And again, we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, Michelle, can you uh, tell our listening audience what today's purpose of the show is. Yes, today's purpose of the show is getting to know diversity, equity, and inclusion advocate, Dr. Melissa Horn. Discover why her education focused on black history. Learn why she has become a DEI advocate. Learn about the company, Dialectic, and to learn about her podcast, Just One Q. 
Can you please introduce this great guest uh, to our audience? Yes. Dr. Melissa Horn, relatable and inspiring diversity, equity, and inclusion advocate, is passionate about combining science and activism to drive change within organizations. The director of client experience at Dialectic, she's an innovator working at the convergence of science, smart design, and technology to change behavior and transform company culture. As the host of Just One Q, a podcast focused on DEI in the workplace, she and her guests offer specific action items to drive listeners from awareness to action. Dr. Horn is well-versed in the history of race and social justice, has worked in both Canada and the United States on employment equity and LGBTQTS plus rights. Engaging and authentic, she not only offers audiences new perspectives, but outlines concrete ways to take part in creating workplaces built for the new age. Her deep expertise in critical thinking, decision-making, and problem-solving is grounded by a PhD in Black history from Rutgers University. The James Cooley Show, It's Your Life, proudly presents Dr. Melissa Horn. How you doing, Dr. Dr. Horn? Wow. Welcome to the show. When, Welcome to the show. When you read that, it sounds really exciting. Thank you. <laughs> Dr. Horn, it is exciting because you are exciting. You know, so, uh, hey, first of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the show. And, uh, I know that uh, our listening audience is, is, is like, okay, JC, let's get to it. Dr. Horn, can you tell our listening audience uh, uh, where you're from and your background? I know that uh, you're a Canadian, and, uh, and, uh, but you went to school in the United States. Can you, can you tell our yeah. listening audience a little bit about that? Yeah, so I'm, I'm from a, uh, it's not a huge city, but it's about a mid-sized city in, uh, called Guelph. Uh, we're about an hour outside of Toronto. Um, you know, uh, we have a university in our town, so it's a university town. Um, a lot of my family uh, worked at the university in Guelph, um, and as soon as I could, I left Guelph because I, they were going to try and get me to go to the university. But, uh, you know, I grew up here in Guelph, spent a lot of time with my grandparents who are from Italy. Um, they taught me everything I know about cooking and family. Um, spent a lot of time reading, and so, you know, spoiler alert, I'm a bit of a nerd. Um you know, my grandmother, who who loves history, she's the one who really instilled in me a uh, love for learning about the past, and really so much so that I, you know, dedicated now most of my life uh, to, to studying history, all the way from my undergrads, my masters, uh, up to up to a PhD. And yeah, so I did. Um, I went to Rutgers and spent um, around eight years living in the U.S., which uh, had a profound impact on me, for sure, um, as a as a young girl from Canada. Wow, you know, uh, so uh, I, I know I, w- I was trying to give our uh, listening audience a kind of an understanding of what uh, DEI is. Can you uh, uh, add on to that? And so our, our listening audience will know exactly what uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, really is. Yeah, absolutely. So as, you know, Michelle mentioned, like we hear a lot about DEI. It is a major buzzword, um, but we often don't sit to think about and break down um, what those letters mean, you know? Um, so when we talk about diversity, as you mentioned, James, we're talking about people's identities and, and, and the differences. So you mentioned race is one thing, ethnicity, uh, disability, sexual orientation, gender identity and expression, uh, your national origin, your socioeconomic status, the way you think and your communication styles. That's what we think about when we talk about diversity. It's what people bring about themselves to the workplace. When we think about, um, equity, we're talking about ensuring fair treatment, equality of opportunity, and equality, um, uh, you know, equality for uh, opportunity for success as well. And then when we're talking about inclusion, we're talking about how can we build a culture of belonging by actively um, inviting the contribution and participation of all people. So, you know, when we think about what DEI looks like in action, um, we, we often hear DEI initiatives or programs, and this usually applies to ensuring that our business practices embrace diverse employees, create equitable practices and policies so that we can actually have diverse people coming in the door. And then when we think about inclusion, what does our workplace look like so that people want to stay? How can they bring them whole? How can they bring their whole selves to work? Um, 
you know, and the, the ultimate goal is that companies and organizations will start to just apply this lens to all the business practices. So it doesn't just become an initiative or a program, but an actual way of doing business. Wow. Um, Dr. Horn, you are Canadian. What led you to do a PhD in black history? That's a great question. I got that a lot. What are you doing down here? How did you get to this place? So it's kind of a funny story or a bit of a happy, happy accident. So it all started in um, my first year of university. I was picking, picking courses that summer and I'd originally wanted to take a course on witchcraft and actually so did a bunch of other people um, that year. So that course was full. Um, but the only other course that was open during that time was a course on the civil rights movement. And as a young woman who lived, you know, a relatively privileged life, um, learning about activists like John Lewis, Bob Moses, Diane Nash, James Lawson, and the many others I could name, um, you know, these, these people who were my age at the time were willing to give their lives um, for the access to rights that, you know, I took for granted in my daily life. So, you know, to say I was inspired and moved is, is a bit of an understatement, but it really was um, the course that led me to sort of switch my focus. Um, and for, so for the rest of my, my undergrad, I took as many courses as I could on, on history, on black history. Um, I wanted to, and I, I also did courses on, on the history of race and racism. I wanted to understand, like, how did we get to this point? And what that eventually um, led to Hey, hey Dr. Me? Horn, hold, hold, oh, hold yeah. that thought. Hold that thought. We got to take a station break, but I, I want to come back right after the break and, and pick this up. Yeah, you know, so uh, we're going to take a station break, but we're going to come back and continue our discussion with Dr. Melissa Horn. It's your life. I'm James Coley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. Hi, I'm James Cooley, host of the James Cooley Show, It's Your Life. And in the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, you can join me as I share my true life story of struggle and success in America. It's both a cautionary tale and a roadmap to achieving the American dream. Get the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet on Amazon and wherever audio books are sold. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. The Answer, San Diego, streaming now on smart speakers and odyssey.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and I tell you, wow, uh, we got Dr. Melissa Horn, and we're talking about an advocate uh, she is an advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And uh, if you want to be part of the conversation, this great conversation, that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Again, that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Doctor Horn, uh, I had to take the break. We had to pay the bills, <laughs> but you <Absolutely>. was explaining. <laughs> you was explaining uh, uh, 
what led you to pursue a PhD in black history. Uh, can you continue that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, to sort of make a, what was happening to be a long story a bit shorter is that ultimately what I started to see when I was doing, um, I was looking at the history of, of scientific racism and, um, I was down in, uh, in the archives at Fisk, um, and, and Spellman. And as I was digging through, sort of trying to understand what the early courses looked like, um, at the schools, I started to see traces of student activism that looked a lot like the activism we typically associate with the student activists of the 1950s and 60s. So, um, one of my professors, uh, back up here in Canada who had done her PhD at Rutgers said, if you're serious about doing this work, then you gotta go um, I go to the U.S. and luckily, um, you know, I was accepted at, into the Rutgers History Program, uh, which has one of the best uh, Black History faculty in the country, and I was able to uh, pursue pursue that work and that research. Wow. So you studied um, the early history of Black student activism at historically Black colleges and universities. Can you tell us about your research? Yeah. So what I was really interested um, was looking at, um, you know, knowing that so many of the uh, prominent activists and figures of the 50s and 60s came out of um, a number of HBCUs, I wanted to understand what was that culture, what, 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 what was it about these schools um, and, and the culture that produced these student activists. So um, when I started doing the research, what I found was that really in the early, it all goes back to the earliest 20th century where this culture of protest was first created. And it started first on by students um, on their own campuses fighting for uh, curricular forms, racial and gender um, equality, to increase the representation of power uh, of black faculty and administrators. And, you know, these student activists during the early 20th century, they were also protesting the social, political, and economic injustices uh, of life in Jim Crow America. So, what we what I started to see was that many of these students were actually pioneering and using the same words and language, um, the nonviolent direct action strategies that would become the hallmark of, of the modern civil rights movement. Um, and it really was their ideas, aspirations, and, and even organizations that laid the groundwork for, for really the generation of students who would follow. What's the most surprising thing you learned about when you were doing your research? So, you know, we often think about... Um, civil rights and protests as sort of the big, big moments. But the really interesting thing was that a lot of, a lot of resistance and protest comes in the, in everyday acts of resistance. So, um, from the way that students chose to dress, um, you know, there was a really strict uniform and the way that, and, and students would add things that were, um, you know, like pieces of jewelry or color that wasn't, you know, wasn't allowed. And it sounds kind of silly, but at the, but at this point, you could be expelled. Um, and and if you were expelled from the university, you weren't you weren't accepted anywhere else. So these students were sort of taking, you know, um, a stand in these very interesting and you know subtle ways um, to to resist the system of oppression uh, that was imposed upon them. Um, and so I think the cool thing that I learned is that really it's a, it's about the little acts of resistance as well, and not just that can lead to the bigger ones. So that was kind of the some of the interesting things. I mean, there's tons of historical facts that, that I learned, but it's really it was a new way of thinking about what resistance looks like. Hey, Dr. Melissa, producer Noah here. What led you to transition out of academia into the DEI space? Was there a catalyst that uh, made you uh, jump from one field to the other that's a great question um i love i love researching i loved digging through the archives um and i love i love the discipline of history but it's not it's not a collaborative um field in the way that you know psychologists co-write papers or uh, other other fields you know work together and um while i was living in dc i was doing a lot of volunteer work um you know, when I was there, there was, uh, this was during the, the fight for marriage equality. And I, I realized that a lot of the stuff that I'd learned through my research was applicable, you know, to, to the issues and events, uh, of today. And so, you know, I gained a lot of knowledge through my research about how to put social justice work into action. And I wanted 
to work to help folks make their workplaces and lives more equitable. So it, it, it seemed a natural transition for me um, to be able to take what I've learned and actually put it into practice in, 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 uh, in the day-to-day. I also know that the, our listening audience may have an idea of what they think DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion is. But why don't you tell us, because I know there's probably some myths, what it is not. Oh man! So it's you know what it's not. It's not. Um, I, well, here's let's go back first. There's a lot of pressure right now on companies and organizations to um, respond to the acts and events that are happening. So you know, last year we saw folks putting up a black square on social media in solidarity with uh, Black Lives Matter movement. But if you get down into what's happening in the organizations, they're not actually putting. Um, um, you know, they're just, it's performative. So what DEI is, is or isn't, it's not performative. Um, it's not something that you can just put up a social media or change your logo to the pride flag, right? Um, it's about actually doing, doing the work. And so, um, you know, it's, it's about how can you hold yourself uh, accountable? Um, and not everyone's ready, and, and that's okay. And, and you don't have to be, you know, um, the most equitable inclusive organization but what you need to be is ready to start to make that change and start to hit the and set goals and milestones it's okay to be in progress it's interesting i was having a conversation with another woman today and and we were talking about you know this work um it it doesn't happen overnight and it's not going to happen with just some social media posts it's going to happen with small incremental systemic changes that shift uh the culture of the workplace so you know, while a lot of people want to want to jump in and respond right away, um, it's work that takes time and, and effort, and it's ongoing. That's the other thing, too. It doesn't just happen. You know, it's not a one-and-done thing. You can't just take one course and, and, and be done with it. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is that uh, it's a lifelong journey. I mean, I'm in this space. I'm always learning. I have blind spots. We all have our own blind spots because of the way that we that we move through the world, right? And and that's okay. It's it's recognizing those and trying to shift and see the world through other people's perspectives. So it, it is an ongoing thing, um, and I think that's really the key. Is it, it's not something that you can just check check a box and you're done. Wow. Hey, Dr. Horn, how does your research impact or inform the work uh, that uh, you're currently doing? So I mentioned earlier that one of the ways that my research informs work that I do is is to really focus on um, the everyday acts of resistance or activism that people can take to make a difference. You know, as I said, um, we think that change requires these big protests or rallies, but it really starts with individuals making a commitment every day um, to be anti-racist, to be, um, you know, to stand in solidarity with LGBTQ people, to stand in solidarity with Indigenous people. Um, and and I think, you know, there's ways that, um, so I think that's how I, I, I look at this work is that, you know, at the end, we're looking at these small collective acts to make a bigger change. And so, that's what I've learned from from the students that I studied is that these small small acts can lead to really big change. And uh, just like you said, that uh, a person has to be open minded and, and uh, they have to be want to be aware uh, that uh, uh, that some things have to change, and uh, just having an awareness and an understanding of uh, people just because uh, you perceive them as different. That's that's not how it should be, especially in any workplace, because um, a lot of time we look at people from the outside. You just, you just see the physical portion of them. You don't know anything about the person. And we want to make judgment and we want to treat them differently. You know, and uh, I, I tell you, I am uh, have learned over the years uh, that it's not on the outside. You know, if you you can't just look at a person physically and try to determine what type of person that is. So I really appreciate that answer. And we're going to take a station break, but we're going to come back and we're really going to delve off into uh, Dr. Melissa Horn. We're going to learn a little bit about her company and some of the things that she's doing. If you want to be part of the conversation, that's one 888 1170 It's your life from James Cooley. 
There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. There is much truth in a journey that ain't over yet, as all of us journey through life's precious gifts of time, just like I have. Hi, I'm James Cooley, host of The James Cooley Show, It's Your Life. And in the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, you can join me as I share my true life story of struggle and success in America. It's both a cautionary tale and a roadmap to achieving the American dream. This is a must-listen to for anyone who thinks they are stuck in life or need to understand that their current situation is not their final destination. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet, is the unfiltered truth to provide hope for the future by challenging you to refuse to become a victim of life's circumstance and dare to be an overcomer because a bigger, better, and a more impactful life awaits you. Get the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet on Amazon and wherever audio books are sold. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, The True Life Coming of Age Story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. FM 96.1 North County AM 1170 San Diego The Answer It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Hello, welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and we're talking to Dr. Melissa Horn, and, and uh, you know, we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And just like I mentioned to you at the beginning of the show, that is such a great topic and uh, something that we all need to uh, have a better understanding. And uh, Dr. Melissa is, is putting all of these things out, and I think we need to listen to it. If you want to be part of the conversation, that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Again, that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Dr. Horn, can you tell us a little bit about Learning Snippets and its parent company, Dialectic? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Dialectic's been around for about uh, 10 years now. And um, what we do is we create inclusive uh, science-based learning experiences for workplaces. So um, our work is really guided by uh, our commitment to using the insights and methods of science. So we're a bunch of... um, We've got philosophers, um, social psychologists on our team, um, and we really go and dig deep into um, the empirical work, but we also then kind of uh, zoom out and create uh, learning experiences that honors the voices and experiences of employees. So what our goal is, is really to create measurable organizational change for our clients. So. You know, we have a lot of clients who come to us and um, looking to make a difference within their organization, and we design um, custom learning experiences for them. Learning Snippets um, is a micro-learning platform for building inclusive behaviors. So we've what we've done um, is we know that a lot of folks hear these words, as you mentioned, diversity and inclusion, unconscious bias, implicit bias, microaggressions, and but what they lack is the way to practice inclusive behaviors. A lot of us want to be more inclusive, but we don't have, we just don't have the practice, you know? Um, and part of, part of changing our behaviors is to get reps in, right? When we want to build a muscle, when we want to get better at something, it requires us to practice it. And so what we've done is we've created programs, um, that are short, um, we call them snippets, um, short micro learning lessons that you can do, uh, once a week to help you practice inclusive behaviors. Um, 
And the goal is to make, you know, inclusive behaviors become an everyday thing. Um, we work with a variety of subject matter experts to validate our com- content. We work with folks with uh, lived experience and, and, and those who are subject matter experts. And we fuse the insights from industry leaders with our scientifically proven approach to, to training that creates um, a new way of um, diversity, equity, inclusion training that actually starts to change people's behaviors. Dr. Horn, can you tell us about some of the impact that you're seeing from your e-learning programs? Yeah, that's probably one of the favorite parts of my job is talking to people, um, you know, about how how the training is starting to impact them. And what we're seeing is folks um, are saying to me that, you know, we're having conversations that we were scared to have before. And being able to have conversations that are uncomfortable are really important for organizations to start to change. Being able to, uh, people are saying that they're, they're reflecting on their own biases and they're starting to reckon with some of the beliefs that they've held. Um, that, you know, they're, they're realizing that some of the jokes or ways that they were talking to coworkers were inappropriate and they're catching themselves before, before they make these statements. Um, people are, are saying that, you know, that they are, they're more open to the feedback that they hear when people are calling them out. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for these small incremental changes in behaviors that make our workplaces more inclusive, that starts to shift our culture so that we can make, um, start to improve the policies and practices um, that, that impact people's lives. Wow. Can you uh, uh, tell us uh, about your podcast called Just One Q? Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm dying. I'm dying to hear about that. Oh, man. Well, I feel bad for my guests because uh, we, we set the challenge that can we make a, a, um, a short and impactful uh, podcast that really focuses on one question and leaves our listeners with tangible takeaways. So my goal is to um, I speak with all sorts of um, industry experts around issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. I ask them just one question. It's usually a really good question. Um, but our, the goal is to really um, elevate the voices and thought leaders in this space. And so for me, um, I invite guests on from um, all over Canada and the U.S. who have different perspectives and who can give our audience things that they can start to implement in their lives and in their workplace right away. They're, they're short, 15 minutes. Um, but the guests are great, and it leaves you with a lot to think about. Dr. Melissa, uh, producer Noah, again, and I love podcasting. I have my own outside of radio, and I listen to several. I just, I, I love the field. It, it's, it's similar to radio, but different. How do you choose your guests? Obviously, you use industry experts, but how do you decide which guests and which experts you invite onto the show? Oh, wow, that's a great question. So, you know, um, Often we're following current events, um, but for me it's really important to elevate uh, voices who may not traditionally get heard. So it's important to me to um, invite folks on. So we've had folks talking about neurodiversity um, and and neurodiverse individuals on the show. Um, definitely elevating the voices of uh, Black, Indigenous, uh, people of color. That's really important to me. Um, and I'm looking, I always look for folks who have um, a unique perspective and that are going to challenge me and others um, to really rethink how they're thinking about um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I'm looking for people who are progressive, who are disruptors, who are um, really making change in their personal lives and professional lives. Dr. Horn, besides being the right thing to do. Research indicates that DEI directly impacts the revenue and success of a company. Can you explain how this is so? Yeah, absolutely. So there's, you know, a lot of, um, it is the right thing to do for sure. But the reality is, is that having a more diverse workforce, um, is leads to, um, bottom line and your revenue. Um, so, for example, uh, more diverse workforces, um, there's stats out there, I can't think of them right now, but basically uh, increase the bottom line uh, of, of, a, of an organization. The other thing is that um, recently, I don't know if you guys remember the base camp where the CEO and founder of base camp said that he's not going to allow any political speech um, at work 
and saw 60% of his workforce leave. So right there, um, you know, we're in a, we're in a, uh, an employee's market right now, and folks have the power and they want to choose uh, workplaces that align with their values. So they're looking for workplaces, you know, if they're young parents or if they're people who have caring responsibilities for elder uh, relatives, they want a workforce that's going to be flexible. They're looking for workplaces that, um, you know, align with their with their values. And what we're seeing is that companies that aren't um, catching up and focusing on DEI are seeing higher turnover. They're losing employees. Um the consumers are boycotting or they will put their money elsewhere, right? So it directly um, affects your bottom line. Um, the other thing to do is that, um, you know, when we reinvest and when we invest in other companies and are um, thinking about who we're going into business with, that also, you know, brings us um referrals from other or from other uh, diverse populations that we may not have considered as well. So there's a ton of different reasons why, um, you know, thinking strategically about diversity, equity, inclusion, and how your company operates can impact your bottom line. Wow. You know, uh, Dr. Home, what are your thoughts on companies making diversity uh, training mandatory? Yeah. So personally, I think it's the right move. Um, you know, every employee deserves to feel safe and respected at work. And so, you know, we used to see diversity, equity, inclusion as something that was uh, training that was nice to have. Um, but it needs to be a, a, uh, normalized as part of our lives. You know, injustice can't be the status quo. Um, in organizations, if they really want to hold themselves accountable and not just pay lip service to DEI issues, but actually make it part and parcel with the organizational culture, we need to start making this training um, mandatory. And I think the other thing is, is that um, employees who who want to work with that organization need to start abiding by that by those policies. So in the same way that we make a bunch of different training mandatory, we need to include this as part of our culture, right? And that's what I, I think I mentioned earlier, is that it, we're not just sort of having initiatives or programs but in really embedding diversity, equity, inclusion um, into the culture. And it starts with training um, and making that uh, mandatory. And that shows that your company takes this seriously and is going to start to hold people accountable to upholding those values. But I uh, have, uh, you know, in, in your research, uh, have you presented this to some companies that uh, they might need to think about this? And what type of response did you get back? I think a lot of... Um, organizations, you know, given given last year, given, you know, we, we, we're in a moment here, we're in a historical moment, and companies know that they need to act. So given the event of last year with the murder of George Floyd, folks are really taking a hard look at, um, at what their companies are doing. And I think the, the thing is, is that employees are holding their um, leaders in, accountable. So, you know, they're, they're, they're giving feedback and they're making moves um, if, they're, if employers aren't um, uh, come following through with this. So they can't, so they want, they want the training, they want organizations to offer this. And I think leaders, um, where I see resistance is just not knowing where to start. And I think that's the, that's the resistance we see is that people think this is a, a big thing that they have to solve right away. And what we're working with them to say is that this is something that needs to happen incrementally um, over time. Wow. You know, that's a great answer. We got to take a station break, but, you know, uh, we're going to come back and finish this great discussion with Dr. Melissa Horn. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity 
of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. Streaming now at TheAnswerSanDiego.com and Odyssey.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Hello, welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and we're talking about a very, very important topic here. We talk about diversity, equity, inclusion. And we got Dr. Melissa Horn that... Uh, is really putting it out here. And uh, if you want to be part of this conversation, uh, that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Again, that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Hey, Dr. Horn, so uh, uh, what does social justice look like in the workplace today? And how can leaders create a safe space for diverse voices and culture intelligence? Yeah, so I think, you know, it would look like a, a a workplace where everyone is accepted and support, supported regardless of where they're from, you know, the color of their skin, their orientations. Um, you know, we may be different, but first and foremost, we're human. And I think leaders can start to create a safe place through their own learning journey. You know, I think it starts with leaders um, and and accepting that, you know, that they have blind spots and, and really being ready to start the, you know, we, we often refer it to the learning and unlearning process. And that means sort of unlearning some of the stereotypes and, and, and learning about where they might need support. Um, I think it looks at looking at how you're doing business. Are you applying a social justice lens to all your business practices? You know, are you going out and looking for um candidates from the same pool are you going to the same school you know are you are you is your pipeline filled with the same people because you know it starts with bringing in um diverse voices diverse people does your company um you know on its website attract the type of employees that you want you know can people see themselves in your company and if not then you got to start to look at why not um you know from recruitment, performance management, training, do you have equitable systems, policies, and practices in place that not only ensure representation within your company, but representation in places that hold power? So it's not enough just to say, you know, our workforce is diverse. Um, and you look at the demographics, and it's mostly a diverse folks at the front line. Do you have diverse voices and representation at the top where decisions are being made? Um, you know, you want to think about who's making decisions. As I mentioned, you know, where are we finding talent? Are we actively recruiting and cultivating diverse pipelines? Um, have we done an audit of our job descriptions? Are there unnecessary education components that automatically exclude or create barriers for certain candidates? You know, I see all sorts of job descriptions out there for entry-level jobs, and they're asking folks for years and years of work experience. But we discount a lot of life experience. You know, you don't need... Um, you know, a master's for an entry-level job, and you're, you know, in an, and is your language inclusive? Um, we often find that, you know, people use certain language that um, attract sort of male candidates. Um, what what do we? What's kind of the buzzword these days? A lot of like tech companies will put, you know, coding ninjas, which sort of signals, you know, that men should apply and and not women. You know. Um, 
And once we have diverse candidates in, in the door, what does the what does the pipeline for advancement look like? We need to look at how we promote people into leadership roles. You know, what metrics are we using for this? Are these decisions being made on the golf courses or based on an equitable process that is meant to reduce biased decision-making, right? Um, employee resource groups are a great way to boost inclusion and belonging and to support um, a strong employee experience strategy. strategy. Um, the most successful ERGs are those that have support and budget. So that's the other thing, too. Are you putting money into investing, right? Because it's, it's not enough just to say, well, you know, we're going to do these initiatives. You have to put money into it um, and support programming that, you know, allows employees to use work hours for initiatives, provides channels for these groups to influence business decisions, right? So those are ways that organizations can really start to, to apply that social justice lens. Dr. Melissa, what is it about this work you've talked about a lot this hour that keeps you going? Because it's obviously not an easy process or thing to talk about. It can get quite hard to make lasting change. So what is it that keeps you going at the end of the day? You know, what I love about my, my, my job is the relationships that I have and the people that I meet. Um, I work, you know, I, I meet awesome clients. And we have a I, I, we have a large group of collaborators, and um, the folks in the DEI space are are so generous. Um, they're they're brilliant. I'm constantly learning from them, um, and you know that's what makes this work amazing. You know, is that it, there's so much to learn, and as someone who loves learning, um, this is a field where there's so much change happening, um, and there's so much going on that you know. It's, it is, it's an exciting field to be in. The other thing is, is hearing the, the stories um, from individuals of how our training is, is, is impacting them and their workplaces, how it's making them reevaluate their own biases, hearing the changes that they're making in their own lives, not just at work, but we're hearing about how folks you know, are using the training to connect with their kids or their family members. And it's those small things that really keep me going, knowing that we're making a difference for folks. Wow. Uh Doctor, uh, we we've been talking about uh, uh, leadership uh, in the organization, but what can the employees uh, of organization uh, what can they do uh, to help advocate and and also be in compliance uh, uh, with understanding what this means: diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. Um, so absolutely, you know, I think leaders have um, have a role to play in ensuring that there's funding for training and programs. Um, but, you know, as an employee, you can also start to speak up. We're seeing a lot of folks sort of from the ground up pushing to make changes in their organizations, right? Um, you know, one of the things you can do, it's called being an active bystander. It means calling out um, microaggressions when you hear or see them. If someone tells a joke that you know isn't okay, you need to say something, right? You know, it's not always easy or comfortable, but speaking up in that moment means that you're showing solidarity. You know, often our silence says a lot. Um, you know, the, this goes back to the idea that protests and major policies aren't the only ways to make change happen. Um, just thinking about in our daily lives, we all have our own spheres of influence, right? You can make choices in your life that can have an impact from, you know, where you buy your coffee uh, to where you buy your, your groceries. Choosing to support um, BIPOC-owned businesses or LGBTQ-owned businesses, you know, investing in, um, in these companies that can in turn reinvest in their own communities. You can think about where you spend your money and how you donate your time and services as well, right? Um, you know, corporate social responsibility is a huge thing. If there's an initiative in your community or if you know of an, um, you know, an organization that needs support, you know, have your company donate time and resources to supporting those initiatives. So there's ways that we can um, make change happen, you know, not just in the workplace, but in our own lives. Wow. And Dr. Holmes, so if uh, a company is just starting and say uh, we got uh, the leader, CEO listening to this conversation, where what would you recommend a starting point? You just mentioned initiatives, uh, so training, culture, et cetera. Uh, where would you, uh, what, what would you say this is what you might want to start at first? 
I would, you know, I would think about why you want to do this work. I would take a long, hard look, you know, with, there's so much happening and it's our knee jerk reaction to want to do something. Um, I'm advocating for people to just stop and pause for a second and, and to realize that this isn't, this is work that, um, you know, isn't easy, that will be uncomfortable and that will take time. And to really, you know, it's not about shame or blame because we all, as I mentioned, we all have our own blind spots. But this is work that is hard and, 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 and takes time. So um, I would say take that time to sort of really think, are you ready to do this? Because it will take investment, uh, resources as well, and making sure that you're ready to allocate that time. The next thing I would say is don't try to do it all on your own. There are amazing uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion consultants out there who do this, who can help your organization to succeed. Um that's the thing, you know, taking that time to pause and really thinking through how you're going to go about this. Because right now, you know, everyone's fear is, is being seen as performative. And I think, you know, sort of jumping into this without really thinking it through um, could do a lot more harm than being honest with your, with your employees, uh, with your staff and saying, you know what, I'm not exactly sure where to start. We need some help as an organization. And it's going to take some time. But that honesty and being, you know, aware of where you are says so much more than just, you know, throwing a bunch of initiatives out there that don't go anywhere, that, that never make any change. I, you know, I think a lot of employees would rather see things happen over time than stuff that doesn't go anywhere. Wow. Hey, Dr. Holmes, we're down to the last minute. How can I listen or anybody listen to this real quickly? How could they get in touch with you if they wanted to follow up uh, a little bit more? Uh, yeah, sorry. So, yes, yeah, so you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, you can reach me by email. It's melissa.horn at dialectic.solutions. You can check out the Just One Q podcast um, on your favorite um, platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google. Um, you can, I'm sure they could probably reach me through your show as well, but uh, I'm always happy to, to connect with folks. Wow. I, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to come on the show. And uh, yes, all, all of your social media platforms is listed on all of my social media platforms so they can reach out. So, Dr. Horn, thank you so much. I'd like to thank uh, my co-host, Michelle, uh, here, uh, who's always here. I'd like to thank my great producer, Noah. Most importantly, I'd like to thank our listening audience for taking time to tune in every night to It's Your Life. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow at the same time, same place. It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley. Thanks for joining us for It's Your Life with James Cooley. To learn more about James, how you can support the show, or become a guest, visit CooleyFoundation.org. Join James weekdays at this same time for more motivation and inspiration to help you become equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. This has been the James Cooley Show. It's your life, where you learn how to dream big, think big, and be big at everything that you do. It's Your Life is sponsored by James J.C. Cooley.